I haven't had to do this on my show before, but this is a trigger warning. This week's episode deals with sensitive subjects concerning physical violence and sexual assault. My guest goes into details that might be triggering for some listeners. If you cannot listen this week, I completely understand and I appreciate your choice. And I promise you next week's episode will be free from sensitive content. While there's no explicit language in this episode, I'm going to check the explicit box on the podcast platforms in order to keep this from airing on players that have parental settings to protect their children from potentially harmful content. Again, this is your trigger warning for sensitive content. Hello, everybody, and thank you for listening to 15 Minutes with Fuzz. I am your host, Fuzz Martin, and on this show, we showcase the good going on here in Washington County, Wisconsin. I'm always looking for potential guests and topics to talk about. I've got a bunch of great ones lined up for you, including this one today. But if you ever have an idea for the show, please send it my way. Go to fuzz.cc slash guest. That's fuzz.cc slash guest and drop me a line. Today's guest was brought to my attention via some of the work that I do with the Volunteer Center of Washington County. The Love is Greater Than Hate Project has a mission of ending violence against women and choosing love over hate. The organization is run by Buck Blodgett. Buck and Joy Blodgett's daughter, Jessie, was murdered in their home in July of 2013. It was because of that extremely tragic event that the Love is Greater Than Hate Project was born. On this episode, Buck shares Jesse's story and how he is dedicating his life to a dual mission of ending violence against women and learning how to forgive. And with that, here's 15 minutes on the Love is Greater Than Hate project on 15 Minutes with Fuzz. Buck, thanks for joining me on the show. To start, this subject matter is going to be heavier than a typical show for me, but I think it's important to tell the story in order to set this up to talk about the Love is Greater Than Hate project. So could you please tell us about your daughter, Jessie, and what happened to her? Sure. Thanks for having me on, Foz. I love what you're doing. And it is an important story, and it's not just Jessie's story. It's everybody's story, in my opinion. That's why I do this. It's too late for Jessie. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be working so hard on this for eight years now at my advancing years hmm. if it was only for Jesse because it's too late for Jesse, but it's not too late for about a billion mm-hmm. of our girls and women on our planet, one out of three of which will experience some form of sexual assault in their lifetime and one out of four domestic violence. And the numbers aren't that different for boys either. So Jesse, um, how do I ever even start with right. her? She was 19. When it happened, she was between freshman and sophomore year at UWM. She had just changed her major from the teacher ed program to the music ed program because she was doing karaoke on campus and one of the professors in the Peck School of the Arts heard her and offered her almost immediately a kind of a prestigious talent scholarship at UWM. Never had a chance to accept that offer. Mm. She was also offered a choir director position at a local church in our town where she grew up in Hartford. Just a couple weeks before that, never had a chance to get started and accept that offer either. She was also offered a job 
on campus mentoring disadvantaged inner city students at UWM. Never had a chance to accept that job mm-hmm. either. She did have a chance to start her own business. About two months at the beginning of summer, that summer, 2013, she made this little flyer and I saw it and I thought, hey, that's really cool, honey. And we drove around stuff mailboxes all over Hartford for a month or two. She had 28 young students every week coming to our house hmm. for piano, violin, and voice lessons from Jess, my 19-year-old entrepreneurial, talented, yeah. self-confident daughter. She was really smart. She was a great student, near straight-A student in the Honors College at UWM. She was the fiddler in uh, her first community theater, Hartford Players, the Fiddler on the Roof. She won the title role. And um, they performed Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in July of 2013 and had the traditional cast party Sunday Mm -hmm. night. And that was her last night on earth. And um, the next morning she was sleeping in and a friend, a trusted friend who was in her pretty close circle of friends of about a dozen or so in the theater in high school. And they did all the forensics together and all the musicals and plays and state solo ensemble. And they sat right next to each other, first and second chair violin Mm -hmm. in the orchestra for four years. He was welcome in her home and he waited for me and Joy to leave for work that morning and surprise Jesse in her sleep. And trigger warning, by the way, for yeah. listeners, especially those who have experienced violence, uh, been traumatized, trigger warning now. What happened in about 30 seconds was he came in, went upstairs, surprised Jess in her sleep. He uh, hogtied her, gagballed her, taped the gag ball, and raped Jesse. And then he reached for his backpack, which the DA called his murder kit, pulled out a rope, put it around Jesse's neck, pulled uh, as hard as he could, I guess, until she lost consciousness, and then held it Hmm. for another 45 seconds because he also watched a snuff film that morning before he came over. The DA called it his instructional video. This was not a heat of the moment, crime of passion, lost my mind. This was a planned, a long planned, his computer search showed for months, execution, a friend. Then he watched life leave Jess. So that's what happened. Yeah. But that's not why I'm here this morning or why I do what I do, because it's what came next. Thank you for sharing your story. And I know that it never gets easier to tell. Um, And I appreciate it's important that people hear it because the what comes next is important to making sure that it doesn't happen again, right? Yes, and it's also important people hear it. As much as I trigger people, mm-hmm. I'm always walking this thin line. I don't want to trigger people. I don't want to hurt people, yep. and it hurts. It triggers their emotional, the violence they've experienced. But if we can't face the darkness, if we have to bury our heads in the sand, pretend it's not there, look the other way, not talk about it, mm-hmm. if we can't talk about it, we don't have any power to change it. Yeah. Well, as a dad of a soon to be college freshman and a younger daughter as well, it's very, uh, and try not to be overcome with emotion, but it's hard not to because uh, you picture yourself in, in your position and we should all want to do whatever we can to 
ensure this doesn't happen, not only to our own, own kids, but to others as well. So thank you so much for that. Um, that's why I do this because mm -hmm. I, I, I didn't do anything about this issue mm -hmm. until after it happened. And I'm hoping to recruit our culture yeah. to do something about it before it hits their family. So let's talk about after that. There were vigils. The community of Hartford came together and the theater community and others. The Love is Greater Than Hate project kind of formed through that. So tell, tell us about what happened after. There's so much to this. And, um, and, and my spirituality is probably going to come out and I'll try to be sensitive to different worldviews. So three days after Jess was killed, I was at the Hartford PD and they found the cereal box in the trash in Woodlawn Park. And it, and the evidence kind of, it was all unfolding as I was sitting in Detective Thicken's office. We found out it was Dan. That was the day we found out who Jesse's killer was. Um, we'd been telling police for three days that no, it's not him because he kept asking us about him. They couldn't tell us everything. Mm-hmm. No, he's a good kid, never been in any trouble, straight A student. My an initial reaction was not anger, hate, violence. Uh, I want to kill him. Mm -hmm. uh, give me five minutes with him, bloodlust. It wasn't any of that. It's hard to explain still, eight years later, and I've explained it hundreds of times. But uh, my reaction was more, um, you know, he's he was part of, he was at our house the day after mm -hmm. he did it. Mm. Nobody knew it. it was him then. He was there for half the day crying with us, sharing memories. He was part of her friend family. Therefore, he was part of our family. Yeah. And we were, my house filled up for, you know, until the funeral with people loving each other, helping each other through this. So he's part of that. My first reaction was genuine concern for him. Mm -hmm. And I, and I loved him. And, um, so it was, what could possibly be so wrong mm -hmm. in this kid's brain and heart that would al allow him to do this. That's how it started. It morphed over the next few days and weeks into chosen forgiveness, a conscious forgiveness. Mm -hmm. It's the most powerful part of our project, I find. That's what resonates so strongly with people is the ridiculous forgiveness. I don't take any credit for it. I, don't, I mean, I had to say yes to it, but right. I don't believe it came from me. I now believe it came to me and through me to bless others and for me and for all of us. I believe it's always there for all of us. And we just have to open up to it and say yes. At her funeral, I said in that crazy forgiving state and loving everybody state and the outpouring of love changed me forever. It was, I don't have no words for the outpouring of love from my family, Joy's family, Jesse's friends, our whole community of Hartford and way beyond changed me forever. And, and I thought at one point, why don't we do this for each other every day? Mm -hmm. Why does it take tragedy to wake us up and bring out the best right. of us? Yep. So at her funeral, I said, love is greater than hate. At the time, I didn't really think or know where that came from, why I said that. Mm -hmm. A month later, at the vigil that other people planned, in fact, the first responder who sat with my wife, Joy, the day it happened, and from the fire department and the fire chief, Paul, they planned this vigil. 500 people showed up from our small town, walked together in the dark for two hours, and there were signs all along the way. Volunteers had spent days on, obviously. Mm -hmm. 
and they said love is greater than hate and everybody had on a, this blue wristband okay, that yeah. Lori spent $400 on, love is greater than hate, big banner in the park, love is greater than hate, the words from the funeral a month earlier. That night, um, love is greater than hate and made the 10 o'clock news on all four news channels in Milwaukee and I went to bed that night and I knew something's up here. Sure. And it started to dawn on me that a project was being born and I was supposed to do something. Now let's talk about the the project. And again, that's very moving. And I, I really appreciate you sharing your story with us and, and how this all came to be. Um, your organization has the mission of ending male on female violence, inspiring love over hate. And then you also have a very strong and aggressive vision, which is zero tolerance for interpersonal violence by the end of the century. Uh, those are very well crafted as a person who does missions and visions for companies and organizations like this is, you can use these as examples of how to do it. How are you working to serve your mission and achieve your vision? Well, it's funny you notice that because we are blessed with a great coach and we've had a lot of help crafting and mission clarity I've come to understand is everything. And I know those missions and that vision are to most people that would be pie in the sky and, mm -hmm. you know, and I, but I understand you got to have not only your head in the clouds, but your feet on the ground. Mm -hmm. And we do, and I'm not crazy. And I do believe it's possible. Mm -hmm. We've never ended violence against our girls and women before, but there was a time when we were never on the moon and there was a time when we never crossed the ocean and there was, you know, human history is full of advancements. Mm -hmm. And to me, this might be the greatest one ever. And I don't know if I'll see it in my lifetime. I, I, I can't wrap my head around that it's possible in my lifetime, but I can stand for it. Mm -hmm. And I want everybody to stand for it. What are you doing as an organization in order to get this message out there and to teach individuals that love is greater than hate and to teach them to love more than they hate? What goes into that? We do a lot of different things. I'll see how quick I can share some of them to give you a sense. Sure. First of all, we're a message organization. We're not a service organization. So we don't shoe the shoeless and feed mm -hmm. the hungry and house the homeless. And we don't serve domestic violence victims and sexual assault victims. We have a county shelter, Friends Inc., mm -hmm. that does that better than we ever could. And every county in the country has a shelter like that. Great expert people are already doing that. We're trying to change culture. Mm -hmm. We're tr I'm trying to use powerful personal story of death and life and loss and beauty and forgiveness to capture especially young but everybody's hearts and minds and shift culture to actually accomplish our mission mm -hmm. and end violence against our girls and women impossible people say i don't believe so I just believe we haven't done it yet. So what do we do? All kinds of different stuff. We do presentations. Mm -hmm. That just started naturally because I had this story inside me that was screaming to be told. And thank you for giving me another chance eight yeah, years absolutely. later. Absolutely. Uh, 130 presentations now for 18,000 people in six states of a message from Jesse. And now we've developed a series of six presentations. We deliver them in schools and the state prison system and professional conferences and police academies and community groups and churches and anywhere and, and podcasts and yeah. anywhere and everywhere I can, anyone who wants to hear about Jesse. But we, you know, one and done presentation isn't enough. Mm -hmm. We got to do more. So we have a media campaign. We do print media. We, we're in the middle of our second print campaign and those cost money because we have this expert, what's her title? She's, she helps us connect to publishers and okay. to 
So like uh, a publicist or a publicist. Yeah. That's the word I'm yeah. looking for. <laughs> and our print, our two print campaigns combined have now reached a little over a hundred million UVPMs, online readers, basically. Okay. Yeah. We've done over 40 live radio interviews on uh, Nielsen rated stations all mm-hmm. over the country, USA Today, etc. Print campaign, radio campaign, TV. Jesse's story has been covered by four, including Dateline, NBC, four one-hour made-for-TV documentary films wow. that have been seen on five continents by tens of millions of people. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I've never done anything in my life that I've had one one-thousandth of the success of as this project. And that tells me two things. It tells me it's a powerful personal story that resonates with people that they care about. And it tells me that a lot of people care about it, meaning it's happened to them yeah. or it's happened to someone they know. Mm-hmm. TV, radio, print media, social media. We have 12,000 followers on social media. We reach over 50,000 people a month. So we do these media campaigns. We do presentations, but that's not enough. Mm-hmm. We got to have programs too and systems change. So we're trying to do some things there. We have the poster project you'll ask me about later right here in our county. Mm-hmm. We have a school project that's been delayed by the pandemic, oh, sure, yeah. but we're trying. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that that poster campaign. So you recently did a ride with the Volunteer Center of Washington County's Do Good Bus. Tell us about that trip and what you did with this poster campaign. Another thing I don't know where to start with. I'm still mm-hmm. basking in the sunshine of that day. Okay. Delta Defense. I believe I believe it costs $1500 or something like that to sponsor the Do Good Bus. Maybe 1000. Sorry Volunteer Center if I got my facts wrong. <laughs> I'm on the board and I don't know. I can't remember what it costs either. <laughs> wow, it was such Apologies. an incredible day, Fuzz. Thank you for being on the board. There's three volunteer centers in the state of Wisconsin. How did I luck out living yeah. in the town with one? It's the mm-hmm. coolest thing ever. If you're not volunteering, my friends listening, it was so fun. Delta Defense not only bought the bus, but they also sent 19 employees. Wow who came to just have a volunteer experience. They had no idea what they were coming to. We all met at the hub and had lunch. And for an hour, we sat there together, breaking bread, and they listened to my story. Mm -hmm. I told them what our mission is and what happened, just like I've just told you guys. They also listened to Kate from Friends, Inc. tell their story. Mm -hmm. And then uh, then also the Volunteer Center and what the Volunteer Center is trying to do. And then we all hopped on the bus and drove to Hartford. And in the 20-minute ride, we um, said, hey, here's what we want to do. We had all these posters made. These volunteers got off the bus in 35 degrees, spitting rain, windy, (laughs) worst day ever weather. And um, I was just so moved, and I'm so grateful. Their passion for an issue they didn't even know about the Mm -hmm. day before was so strong. And we blitzed the county. Long story short, we placed almost 200 posters in 48 businesses. Wow. And there's two kinds of posters. One of them is targets victim survivors, and it's got Jesse's photo image on it and some text. And the text is basically raising awareness. Mm -hmm. So the larger community, when they go to the restaurant, go to the bar, go to the library, go to the police station, they'll see these and be reminded that this happens every day in our world. But it's also a call to action to victim survivors to call this hotline and get help to end the violence. Then the other poster targets offenders. Okay. We must engage in offenders, perpetrators, if we're going to really get anywhere with our mission. Yeah. We must speak to something in them that doesn't repel them, but Mm -hmm. attracts them. It Mm -hmm. doesn't demonize them, hate on them, 
The most powerful thing about our project was, I think, mine and Joy's forgiveness of the young man who killed Jesse. And, and that's a genuine thing, by the way, that's, I've had forgiveness and love in my heart for him every day for eight years. And, and same with offender perpetrators. Now, I gotta be really careful because there's a lot of people listening who've experienced sexual assault, domestic violence, mm -hmm. and they don't necessarily have love in their hearts for the people who did that to them, and that's totally understandable. Mm -hmm. I will never excuse Dan for what he did to Jesse, and I will never be okay. He's accountable for his choices and his actions and his behaviors that day, just like I'm accountable for mine every day of my life, mm -hmm. and my words, too, and my thoughts, too. We're all accountable. But that doesn't mean I can't love and forgive. And we're going to have to engage offenders in their own transformation and inspire them to want that and seek it. So the second poster has a hotline number for them. The essence of the poster project is it's a call to action mm -hmm. and awareness for everybody. Thank you for doing that. And thank you for your commitment because it would be really easy i think as a as a father i that you know you talked about that five minutes give me five minutes alone uh, mentality that you didn't have i often think of if something were to happen could i control my rage and anger it's very big is a small word to say for what i'm trying to say but it's, it's a very big and important thing that you're doing Everybody says that to me, by the way, Fuzz, if I could just highlight quick, I know I'm yeah. talking too much. No, but, you're good. And I would have said the same thing before mm -hmm. it happened to me. And then I had this profound and deep life-changing experience of forgiveness that I believe was a gift and a blessing to me. So this whole project is about speaking to that in people because yep. that's in every one of us. Mm -hmm. We don't have to react. You saw what happened on the Oscars the other night. Yeah, there right. was a lot of reaction around that and a lot of it was ugly, mm -hmm. but there was a lot of beautiful response an empowered response to it too. And that's what we're speaking to. Yeah. What's next for the project? Oh boy. <laughs> I can't keep up with this project. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> From a spiritual point of view, I am now, instead of my whole life, I've been a goal setter. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've tried to practice because like, I've never been the fastest guy, the smartest guy, the biggest guy. I, I just try to be determined and set goals and have a focus and accomplish that. But it was always, if it is to be, it's up to me. Mm-hmm. Everything shifted for me when we lost Jesse. And now it's when a door opens, I'm going to walk through it. Mm -hmm. If a door closes, great. Let's shift and do, let's follow whatever is at play here that's bigger than me. Yeah. That's, let's try to sense together what the future wants us to do next. You know, in 60, Kennedy said, we're going to the moon. Mm -hmm. And it took nine years, which still blows me away. But all along the way, they had this. They had to be thinking, "What's the next step?" Mm -hmm. You know, we're, that's never been done before. What's the pathway from here to there to actually get there? And brilliant minds figured that all out. And yeah. I'm not a brilliant mind. Yeah, and it's not linear either. There's challenges along the way, and you need to overcome and, and find another route. This will be harder than going to the moon, yeah. and there will be challenges every mm -hmm. step of the way. And so I don't know what's next. What's immediately next is I've got five presentations in the next five weeks in the prisons and Great. at a police academy and a conference up in Wausau, and there's um, the poster project, more planning. Mm -hmm. Next today is I'm going to Delta Defense, mm -hmm. sitting in on their nationwide meeting of 600-some employees, and they want me to bring the Love is Greater Than Hate faith-based series into their company. So... 
there's always something that's next and I'll just go with whatever that seems to be. Sure. If somebody wants to book a presentation, have a conversation, what, what's the best way to get in touch? Probably our website or our Facebook page. Okay. Our website is L-I-G-T-H. That's short for love is greater than hate, if you can't remember it. Sure. And watch out, your devices might try to autocorrect to light. Oh, it's sure. It's not light. <laughs> L-I-G-T-H dot org. Are there some ways that people can help the Love is Greater Than Hate project? Obviously, with all 501c3s, donations are important and, and things, but how can people participate and or donate? To me, the number one way people can help is to allow this work to grow them. Personally, if we're going to accomplish culture transformation, it's really just a bunch of individual transformation. So go on our website and take the pledge. Find the pledge and take it and share it with people. That's the best thing to start with. Follow, I know everybody says this, but this is literally true. Follow our page and share it on Facebook. Yeah. We put messages out almost every day and then we can break into your circle of people. Mm -hmm. Sure, donations are great. That fuels our print campaign, stuff like that. Volunteerism, we have local events, a 5K, a golf outing, a family mm -hmm. fun fair, and the poster project. Again, thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing your story. And most importantly, thanks for all that you're doing. As you can tell, this project is about as personal for me as it yeah. gets. I don't have Jess anymore. I only have her mission and what I believe she came here for. And you and everyone listening today has given me one more chance to make her life and her death count for something useful and beautiful and good. So it's me that wants to thank you. Thank you again to Buck Blodgett for joining me and sharing their family story, as well as the story of the Love is Greater Than Hate Project. If you'd like to learn more about the Love is Greater Than Hate Project, go to L-I-G-T-H. Dot org. That's L-I-G-T-H, love is greater than hate, dot org. You can also find them on Facebook at the Love is Greater Than Hate Project and on Instagram at Love Greater Than Hate Project. New episodes of 15 Minutes with Fuzz come out every Monday morning at midnight. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, please be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, Podchaser, Stitcher, Amazon Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, okay? Learn more about the show at 15withfuzz.com. Again, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week right here on 15 Minutes with Fuzz. Fuzz.